guys are just like my church. I'm from Calvary Chapel, Monrovia, and nobody ever sits in the front. We don't spit. You guys can move. I mean, I'm just wondering, why do you guys sit back so far? Because we do the same in our church. I don't, do you guys have a reason? Are you just rebellious or what? <laughs> you have a reason? It's too loud? No? No one wants to fess up? All right, ladies. Okay, yeah. You can sit there. I'm good with that. <laughs> so I'm Tony. My how, how many were here last time when I did speak? I, I'm like her. My brain, I didn't remember. You were. Oh, gosh. Do you guys remember the testimony at all? Because it's kind of going to be uh, not the same, a little bit different, but I am going to cover some of that because I know some of you ladies are new. But before um, I get into the message, I didn't do this last time. Um, how many of you guys know where Monrovia is even? Oh, okay. By the way, that was beautiful worship, because the topic tonight is worship. It's my passion. It was beautiful. It really was. Very anointed. One of the things she's sorry, I can't, it's going to be hard. This is going to be a hard message, because I love worship. But one of the things you said was, um, God's at home in our heart. You know, And I, that's in my message somewhere. I don't remember where. But it's in there about like God. That's when He is at home in our in our hearts. It's when we're worshiping Him. Think of all the things that God is, and He's most at home in our hearts when we worship Him. He loves worship. We were created to worship Him. So if we don't figure out how to do that down here, we're gonna. I don't know. You know the angels and the saints, and there's just worship twenty four seven going on in heaven. So and that is our real home someday. This is not. Even though we get all bogged down with all of our issues, this is not our home. So before we get started, before I pray, I just wanted to uh, get you guys to get to know me a little bit better. So I met my husband, who's the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel, Monrovia. I met him in junior high. So I was like 12 and he was 13, or 11 and he was 12. I was seventh grade, he was in eighth grade. And that's me. <laughs> that's so funny looking, but that's me and that's my husband in junior high, Newton Junior High, Hacienda Heights. And then we went to high school together, and that's me in 11th grade, and he, I couldn't find his 12th grade picture, but that's how long we have known each other, and we just celebrated our 40th year anniversary this year. So that's kind of exciting. Um, that's us now. That's him. We were at Easter in the Park, and we've been to Italy. That is not our, uh, that's our wedding, yeah, that is our wedding anniversary, <laughs> sorry. That is me. <laughs> And uh, I don't know, that's just us today. So it's just cool because there's so many marriages that don't make it, you know. And so when you see, I've known him for 50 years, remember. I met him in junior high. So, And then the next one, that's my two daughters and their husband. So the one on the left is my oldest daughter, Jenny, who has provided three beautiful grandchildren, Evie, Jude, and Maisie Jean. And I can just tell you Maisie Jean is, mm, oh. <laughs> And then my other daughter just got married last year, Jessica, and that's her husband, Jacob, and that's my son-in-law, Brian, on the other side. And then, oh, they're all the same. And then the next one, those are my two sons. So my oldest son, Tyler, he, he, he um, is the pastor of Calvary Chapel La Mirada. He's only 33. He's been pastor there for about four or five years. And that's his lovely fam family, Justine, and the two boys, Liam and Ryder is in his arms. And she's just found out this week she's pregnant with another boy. 
So we're gonna have six all together soon. And then that's my youngest, Scotty, with my one-eyed Jack Russell, who is now dead. This is an older picture. No, not my son, the dog. And that's Scotty, and he's 31. Okay, so that's just, so you know, sometimes you say I have five grandkids and I have this and that. Now you guys can have a picture with my family. Let's pray. Father God, we know in your word, um, Psalm 73 says, who am I in heaven but you? There is none I desire besides you. Even though my flesh and my heart may fail, mm, you are the strength of my heart and my portion forever. That's what your word says. Help me now, Holy Spirit, as I communicate your word and let the word go deep into these ladies' hearts and help me to be sensitive, to be off my notes, on my notes, without my notes, whatever whatever you desire, God. You're the one that's trying to communicate by your Holy Spirit tonight. And so I'm just the mouthpiece. I'm just the piece of clay in the potter's hand. Use me and do whatever you want. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, so we're talking about worship. And the meaning of the word worship, in the dictionary anyway, says a, the feeling or expression of reverence and adoration for a deity. The feeling or expression of reverence or adoration for a deity. But when I think of worship, my personal opinion, as followers of Christ, I believe it is when we give our deepest affection to our highest praise to God. That's how I view worship. We love him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we put him first above all. And that is what we were created to do, is worship God. I also think it's um, in relation, when we worship God, it's, it's in relation to our revelation of who God is. If you don't know him, if you aren't spending time at, with him, if you don't know his character or what he's done for you and his son, Jesus Christ, then worship's going to be kind of boring to you. And worship is not just singing. I know there's you know, worship and serving. Your whole life is worship. I'm specifically talking about right now when we worship with um, Giovanni. Yeah. You know, maybe you're just like, ah, okay, when's the message? Ah, I'm going to be late. But it's just the first half hour's worship. Even in church, you know, sometimes we casually take that. Worship is not that to God. It's most precious to him. It's the pre, it sets our heart before the word, before the, we get watered with the word of God. And we worship him because in John, uh, 1 John 4, 19 says, we love him because he what? Oh, hi. There's another person from the church. All right, I have two visitors here from, aw, Andrea and Nancy. They come to, I didn't know they were, well, I knew Nancy was coming, but Andrea's a little surprised. <laughs> All right, thanks for coming. Okay, so back to the study. <laughs> oh, my God. I get squirrel sometimes. <laughs> all right, so he has addressed us in love. He has shown us his love in his creation. We see that all around us. And when we clearly see and know who he is, we will have no other response but to worship him. How many of you guys have read the book by Rick Warren called The Purpose Driven Life? It's an older book. Yeah? Okay, well, in that book, he explains a common mistake we make in worship. He says, people are seeking after an, quote-unquote, experience rather than the creator himself. And we see a lot of that going on in worship today, don't we? We see a lot of things that are not, even in scripture, that they're calling um, worship. But tonight I want to express that worship is always, always, 
always about the king, always, always, always about his kingdom, period. If you are, if you are worshiping the worshiper that's leading you or, oh, I like the smoke, lights, action, whatever, um, you know, whatever your form of entering into worship, if it's not drawing you and pointing you to the king of kings and his kingdom, then this is not the right kind of worship. That's acceptable to God anyway. We have to worship him with uh, clean hands and a pure heart. That's what the Bible says, in, in spirit and in truth. So um, I know some of, I don't know about some of you, how many of you in here have, have an issue maybe with, uh, you, because it's your per, not your personality, but you're just not into expressive worship. Just raise your hand because it, it's like happens to all of us and there's nothing wrong. I'm just going to try and show you in the word. <laughs> Anybody? Are you bound up like you have a hard time raising your hands? Well, that's drawing attention to myself. Any, are you, okay. Thanks for being honest. Yeah, because it's going to, you know, sometimes it's like, it's distracting maybe when people have different forms of worship. And so worship, we need to get into our minds is about him and not about us. So we need to find out from him what's acceptable to him. If you've got a shy personality, maybe, you know, you're just not, this is not what you want to do is expressive worship. But <laughs> when we read the word of God, we have to allow the word of God to change who we are and what we do because we are looking to be conformed into the image of Christ. So I'm going to uh, talk to you. I'm not, I have the scriptures to back up all these, but for time's sake, I'm not going to tell you the scriptures. You can see me after. But these, these are acceptable, expressive ways to worship God that are in scripture. Okay, now I know we've seen some wacko stuff, people barking like dogs. That's not in the scripture. <laughs> Swinging from chandeliers, running through aisles, woo, 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 woo. you know, you, I, I've seen it. I don't know about you guys, but that is not in the word of God. I'm gonna tell you what is in the word of God, and that's what I wanna be doing. I wanna be in line with God's word. One of the ways is singing, duh, right? <laughs> well, I don't even need to give you scripture for that, but singing, is a, a way to express your worship to God. Shouting. Oh, no, not sure. We don't shout in church. That's, guess what? It's in the Bible. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous. Shout for joy. Shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Shout. It's in there. It says to do it. Clapping is in the word of God. Clap your hands, all you people. Shout to God with songs of joy. This is in, found in Psalms. Kneeling is a form of expressive worship. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before our God and our maker. These are not my words. These are from the scripture. Is God's word true? Is it right? Is it alive? And can we allow it to change our hearts in areas that we're not comfortable with? Lift your hands, it says in the sanctuary, and bless the Lord. Oh, you mean when I lift my hands, it says, and bless the Lord? The Lord is blessed? How many of you guys want to be blessed? I want God blessed tonight. We gather here to learn about him and to bless him. And if we can't be corrected by his word and start allowing it to change us, we're just playing church. I, wanna, I, want, I want God to be blessed, don't you guys? Amen. Amen. What about laying prostrate? Oh, my gosh, laying prostrate. That's just drawing too much attention. Okay, maybe, but that person's heart, it's, it's acceptable to the Lord. It says right here in Nehemiah, then Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people. And so it's in a church uh, setting. And all the people answered, amen and amen, while lifting up their hands. Then they bowed low and lay prostrate and worshiped the Lord with their 
faces to the ground, we just make, we make a lot of judgments on people. This is acceptable to the Lord. Oh, I'm going to say this one. I know I'm going to get some flack, but dancing, and there's wrong dancing. There's very worldly dancing, and there's very worldly music today. But you know that there's proper dancing before the Lord according to Scripture? Psalm 149.3 says, let them praise his name with dancing. Praise him with tambourine and dance. We can't argue with the word of God. And the last one that I'm going to mention is praise him with uh, plain instruments. That's a form of any instrument. Well, I'm, you know, back in the Bible days, they list a, a bunch of them. You can look in Psalm 150, 150. And you will see a list. There's cymbals, organs, flutes, the lyre, the harp. They're all in there. These are expressive ways to worship God. God loves and accepts it. King David was probably our, our biggest example of a worshiper of God. He, his one and only desire was to worship God. He said in Psalm 27, 4, one thing I have desired of the Lord. What one thing tonight do you guys desire of the Lord? This is what David said. One thing have I desired of the Lord that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Of all things, why was worship what he desired most? Why did David just desire to worship God out of the, all the things he did in his life? And I, I believe it's because it's the quote, unquote, one thing one singular thing that all other things are found. If you're in any ministry today, if you're um, women's ministry or you're a lead of hospitality or um, just any ministry, even sharing with your friends, if, if when you're evangelizing uh, about the Lord and worship, if you're not spending that time you know, on your own before his throne, allowing him to fill your cup, then you're, you're, you may know the word, you may have had knowledge of God's word, but the spirit of God is lacking in that because you need to be able to fill your cup with his spirit. As you worship him, he loves it and he pours back into you and, and reveals what he wants you to share, not just what we think we should share. Um, I'm going to skip through this. Just be, You guys know the, the story about Mary and Martha. Mar Martha's busy, busy, busy. Where was Mary? At the feet. Who chose the better thing? Mary. And God, the Lord said, I won't take that from her. That's the Lord. That's what he desired. How many of us are busy, busy, busy? And we're busy about the things of the Lord, me included. Like you, you rationalize saying, I go to church on Wednesday. I, I did the women's group. I, I had a little study today online. I do this thing Tuesday with Tony. Let's see, I got choir that I'm a part of on Thursday night. Sunday, I'm going to do that. And then prayer Sunday night. When, when were you at the feet of Jesus, Tony? You, you, you busy yourselves up with the things of the Lord, and, and that's a rationale that I'm okay with the Lord, but your cup is really empty. You're just, it's ritualistic. It's not fresh manna from the Lord. Only we can choose to be at the feet of Jesus. He can't make us. We have to, for our love of him, be wanting to be at his feet. And we know Mary did that. Um, I'm not going to talk about that because I want to get to my uh, testimony. There's, uh, so last time I came here, well, I will share this. Um, the prophet Isaiah said in Isaiah 61, 1 through 3, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, 
to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. How many of you just are sad right now? You're going through something. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them, love this line, beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Discouragement, I've faced it. I don't know if you guys are facing it now, but it's definitely one of Satan's greatest weapons he uses today is discouragement. And the Bible tells us not to grow faint and not to lose heart. When we're going this through these things, worship him. And I'm going to share a little bit of my testimony of how that is <laughs> rung very true in my life. Um, in Proverbs 20, 24, it says, how can we understand the road we travel? It is the Lord who directs our steps. We don't know what God has planned for each one of us. We don't know if we're going to walk through, you know, on a mountaintop today and be in a valley tomorrow. We, we, are, we are bought with the price. He bought us with his precious blood of Jesus Christ. And so we are his, and we need to allow him to do whatever he wants through us. He is looking to use our lives to show other people his love for them and to further his kingdom because someday we will be with him for all eternity, not now. So whether we're sick, whether we're rich, whether we're poor, doesn't, God is the one, you, we're just playing the hand. Don't think this is your life, it's not. Your life it amounts some day in eternity for what you did for him in Christ, what you allowed the Lord to do. So if, if sickness hits you, and I'm getting ready to share, sickness has hit me a couple of times, don't let that discourage you. Don't let, oh, why me? Oh, God, you don't love me. How come this happened? I'm serving you. Why did this happen? Don't question the Lord. He's sovereign. He says, I work all things out for the good for those that love me and are called according to his purpose. He has a purpose and a plan for us. Not our plan, not our ways. His ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. Will we allow God to be God in our lives. He says he won't give us more than we can handle, even though we think we can't handle. <laughs> Believe me, I thought I couldn't handle, but we just have to get past that. So about, um, I was about 34 years ago. I'm not telling you how old I am now, but <laughs> it was over 20 years ago, okay? <laughs> and um, I came down with an incurable, uh, debil debilitating disease called scleroderma. Sclero means tightening derma means skin so i started um, it, your your body is made of connective tissue from head to toe if you were to look in like a science magazine you know how they show the connective tissue well that all turns to stone hard as a rock like not stone but you know what i mean it, all that it's an over get this it's an overproduction of collagen those that's you know how we have that injected for our wrinkles my it's a autoimmune disorder that my body was producing too much collagen. And so um, it was very hard to diagnose. At first, um, I, I had, um, uh, what's that called, that other disease? Uh, fibromyalgia. How many of you have that? Because that's a big one today. Okay, so that's what I first was diagnosed with, always tired. And if you guys know me, I'm not a tired person. I get very little sleep. I'm, I'm the ever ready or what's that that battery commercial whatever I'm the bunny okay I am really like up person and this thing knocked me down bad at the time I have 
I have, you saw my four children. Well, they were 10. My oldest daughter was 10. My second daughter was eight. My boys were six and three. And um, this came out of nowhere. And it became, at first when, it, they didn't have all this internet, so we couldn't look it up. We had to go to the library. And um, it's basically, it gave me five years to live um, because the type I had is systemic scleroderma where it wraps around your uh, esophagus, your heart, your lungs. It just starts squeezing in and it kills you. So, you know, faced with that news, it was very, very hard. Um, again, I was serving the Lord at this time. And uh, my, my family lives up in Sacra Sacramento. My, my mom and my dad, my sister, all of them were living up there. And so when I found this news out, my husband, you know, <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but when you're sick, you have a, I, I just want my mom. You know, I have a husband, yes, but there's nothing. I mean, some of you don't have those relationships with your mother. Uh, I don't have a super like, oh, you know, best friend that my mom, I love her, but you just want mom. She's the one that makes you jello when you're sick and the hot soup. And I had this news and I, I just was down about it. And uh, so Richard, my husband said, well, you and the girls go up to Sacramento, you know, go be with your mom for a week or whatever. So I get off the plane. Now, at this time, I just found out I had this disease. They just, something hardened on my fingers. You can kind of see it still today. I've, I've got little bent fingers. I do play the keyboard, but not like I used to. Someday in heaven, we'll have it back. But anyways, um, this, this, this is a, a part of what's left over. But you couldn't see anything, nothing visible other than I knew I had it because there was a hard part on my hand. A rheumatologist had you know, uh, diagnosed me. So I went up to see my mom, and while I was in the airport with the two girls, I see, I'm looking for baggage claim, and you know how you are, looking at all the signs, and I see someone coming toward me, uh, a total stranger, and um, I see her in my peripheral, and she comes up and she grabs my, my arms. She goes, excuse me, and I said, yes, and she said, um, you don't know me, and I don't know you, but, phew, <laughs> like it's yesterday. <laughs> she said, you don't know me, and I don't know you, but I'm here to say that the Lord is going to heal you. And I said, what? Because, <laughs> like I said, I wasn't in a wheelchair where she would, like, oh, there's that poor girl. I'm going to go put, it wasn't any visible sign on me yet. And my girls, we just found out this news, and they're old enough, and they're like, oh, Mom, how does she know? And she didn't, we didn't chit-chat. Today I look back, I think it was an angel, but at the moment I was in shock, and she says, you don't know me, I don't know you, I'm here to say the Lord's going to heal you. I was on the plane praying, and the Lord ministered in my heart, someone would be healed, and when I just saw you, I knew you were the one. Bye. And she starts walking away. I'm like, B -b -b I'm like, you know, having like a, like a little breakdown there. I'm like, but, but my, my name is Tony, you know, I like, and she turned around, she goes, and I'm Helen. And that was the end of her. Never saw her, never exchanged. She didn't, and here I'm breaking down, crying in front of her. You would think she's like, oh man, I hit it. God spoke and let's pray, girl, let's get this done. Nothing. She just walked away. She joined up with the uh, old man in the airport, grabbed his arm and kept walking. I never saw her. I know what she was wearing. I know what she looked like, but I've never seen her again. And my oldest daughter that you saw with the three kids, we, she named her, her oh, the first grandchild, Evie Helen. Helen's the middle name. 
And that little girl, she's nine now, she tells all her friends this story. She's out there evangelizing, my Grammy, you know, it's adorable. But anyways, okay, so what happens from there? Oh, okay, why am I up here? I'm healed, right? No, I'm not. I am not healed at that point. In fact, the next two years are the absolute worst time, time, I can look back on all my life, of my life. It, this disease overtook my body. Um, I was, I mean, I'm trying to run a family here, right? I'm homeschool mom, all that. I stay at home with my children and I am knocked down and I can't do anything. And the disease just starts to take over. I, I'm locked in this position with my arms. I can't straighten them. Everything, I look like a burn victim. My face is just like tight, shiny. Everybody thought I was in a fire. It was awful. I couldn't sit, the legs, everything stiffened. So just to sit in a chair, I have to like take 10 minutes to get me in the chair and then I couldn't get out without help. And you know, I mean, I'm just like, what? The, uh, God, I, you gave me four beautiful children. I love you, Lord. I'm in ministry. My husband's not a pastor yet, by the way. We're just going to church. He's the worship. Um, he wasn't even the worship pastor then. No, he wasn't even the worship. Because we started in Calvary Chapel, La Mirada. As he was the worship pastor for seven years. And then we got sent out to Monrovia. None of that was going on yet. But we loved the Lord. He was working for my uh, family business at the time. I'm serving. I'm playing the piano in the church. Um, what's going on? Well, when I called, I called Richard immediately in the airport. Oh, I just ran into this lady. She said this and blah, blah, blah. And he says, well, I just started today at work a three-day fast. Um, uh, there's a couple of guys here that are Christians, and we decided, I told him the story, what's going on in our household with your disease, and we just found this out, and we're going to fast for three days. And he, we're not like people that say, you know, like put out those fleeces, like show me God by like, you know, I don't know what you know those fleeces where I'm trying to think of what a fleece what might be like like I don't know if that guy doesn't eat my spaghetti sauce tonight that means you want me to go to Israel you know how you just put like something I, I have no idea why I just said that you'll understand after I tell you the second sickness I've been through <laughs> anyways you know those are fleeces and we're, we don't do that but this morning he put out a fleece and he said I need a supernatural sign from you, God, that she is not going to die of this thing. He just found out I only have five years to live, right? So he prays this. This airport story happens. If that's not a sign, I don't know what is. <laughs> and he says, well, it really doesn't surprise me. He said, this morning in the first day of our fast, God gave me this scripture in 2 Kings 20, 1 through 11. I'm not going to read it. I'm going to paraphrase it. Basically, Hezekiah has a boil. He's sick. Isaiah the prophet says, you need to set your house in order. You're going to die. Isaiah says to Hezekiah, you're not going to make it. Hezekiah weeps bitterly. He puts his face to the wall, and he pleads, and he prays, and he reminds the Lord, haven't I had a loyal heart towards you, God? Haven't I walked in your truth? Haven't I tried to do what's right in your sight? This is Hezekiah crying out like, I'm going to die? What, what have I done to deserve? You know, why? And before Isaiah gets to the middle, the one that told him he's going to die, before he gets to the middle of the courtyard, God speaks to him and says, you turn around, you go tell Hezekiah, I have heard him and I have seen his tears. I will add 15 years to his life. 
that's the sign Richard, my husband, got. I gave this, the airport story. Now he's convinced, at least I'm not going to die of this. We don't know where this is going to go. I'm thinking I'm healed today. I, I, what kind of super, what more do you need than this airport story? I'm going to, I'm done. It's going to reverse. I'm fine. No, I needed that word because it was horrible. Hezekiah asked, what's going to be the sign that I'm healed? How do I know this? This is in the scripture in uh, uh, Isaiah, in the verse 9, it says, Isaiah replied, this is the sign from the Lord to prove that he will do as he promised. Would you like the shadow on the sundial to go forward 10 steps or backward 10 steps? The shadow always moves forward in nature. The, the shadow always moves forward, Hezekiah replied. So that, it, that would be easy. Make it go 10 steps backwards instead. So Isaiah the prophet asked the Lord to do this, and he caused the shadow to move 10 steps backward on the sundial. That was his proof. It happened. He had 15 years to his life. This was Richard's sign. This was my sign. I kind of thought I'd be dead in 15 years, though, from that point. You don't think I didn't. When the 15-year mark came up, I thought, is this going to be really literal? But I'm past that mark. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> but everything did go downhill from there to where I couldn't dress myself. I, I already shared some of the handicaps. I needed full-time help in our home. And this, I guess, was the very hardest thing for me. You would think um, if someone offered you ladies with four little kids, <laughs> you can have a full-time maid in your house, cooking the dinners, taking care of your kids, you would think that you would just jump all over that. I tell you right now, I hated it. I didn't want it. I fought against it. And I'm telling you what the root of that was, was pride. I wanted to be the super mom. I wanted people to say, oh, look at, oh, look at, she's got the dinner on the table and her house is always clean and these kids and they're in this event and oh, they sing in the church. Oh, you don't realize, you don't know your own heart, but I'm telling you, it was pride because I did not want help. And uh, I, I, I had to have help. There was, I had to receive it. Um, and I really was complaining to the Lord, the why me syndrome. The body of Christ all over the world that knew about this was praying for me. And I had uh, one night a girl, it was one of Richard's college friends, wife, never have met her yet. She was woken up in the middle of the night, knew about my situation, and had a, a prophetic word. And it was John 9, verses 1 through 3. Jesus heals a man born blind. Basically the story, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked Jesus, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? There's no way. Why, you know, if you're born blind, you either have sin in your life or maybe your parents had sin in their life. Who did it, Lord? And Jesus answered, uh, neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. This has happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. Sometimes God uses illnesses and brings us out of illnesses because he wants to display the work of God in our life. Will we allow that? Will we praise him through it? And after reading that scripture, I realized God is involved in our sufferings. He does promise us in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, that he will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we can bear. Beyond what we can bear. But the hard part now, you got it? How are you going to count this all joy? Because in all things, we are to rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. 
how am I going to find joy in this? Not happiness. Happiness is a feeling you get, you wake up in the morning, you get in a good mood until someone cuts you off on the freeway, and then your happiness is out the door, right? Joy is a little bit different. Joy is something that goes deep. It's rooted deep. Knowing that he is testing our faith. You know, when you go through these things, trials and tribulations, he's, trust, he's testing you. He's testing your faith to produce patience in us, it says. And if we would allow this patience to be worked in us, his promises, we will be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. That's a promise in his word. Well, when there's something like this happens in your life, you do self-examine and you do, well, why me, God? You do ask those questions, but maybe maybe it was going to be this situation, this prophetic word from that gal. Um, I, I share with you already in Romans 8, 28, God has promised to bring out of all the sufferings and all the persecutions to those who love and obey his commands. He promises to bring good out of them. It's a promise from God. His promises are yes and amen. We don't have to feel like it. We have to just believe it and know that his word is true. And that's all you have. <laughs> so I went through a series of tests at Kaiser. Then I was uh, given to a doctor that's world-renowned in this disease, scleroderma. His name is Dr. Clements. And he is retired now, but he was at UCLA. I was sent there. Um, he, is, he only deals with this disease all over the world. I mean, country, different countries come to this guy. He knew his stuff. He was trying to find a cure. And he said to my husband, called him on the phone. This I found out months later. He called my husband and said, she has got one of the worst cases I've ever seen. Um, they skin score you or they pinch you and they do all this stuff. And again, I was very disfigured. And he said, um, she's at about a, a, a 43 uh, pinch score, whatever they do. Average is about 20. He said the worst he's ever seen is 50. And I was already at 43 on that skin scale. Um, you better try everything and anything because she's definitely not going to make it. So we tried a series of tests. I'm going to share this one thing with you guys. Uh, one of the tests that um, was very expensive is $5,000 a pop. I had three of them. We didn't have the money. My father-in-law's wealthy. He paid for them. And it's called photophoresis. And it's where they drain some of your blood out and they ultraviolet it. I think it's the white cells or the, I don't know. And then they put it back in you. It's a, like a six hour process. It's grueling. It's very tiring. I mean, you're just sitting there. Everything's being, it's just nothing worked. It didn't work. But I share this story because of this. Don't ever, ever do what I did on this. <laughs> so I was on this test, and you have to be with a, a nurse the whole time. They can never leave your sight because of what's going on in your body. So they put the TV on. I had I Love Lucy going and mad, just not mad, but just depressed. You know, like, what am I, you know, well, what's coming? What's going on here, God, <laughs> you know? And... Um, he said, share, share with the gal, share with the nurse there, your hope in Jesus Christ. Share that he is your hope. Share the airport story. Share something of God. Share me with her. And I said, no. And this is all in my mind, by the way. I said, no, I'm not God. I said, you really, really? You're asking that of me? I, this is what I'm going through, and you're now you wanting me to share? I flat out said no. And I know that the Lord has used someone else. If that blessing was robbed from me, yes, who knows if she would have accepted anything. It would have been a seed planted for his kingdom. 
And I said no, and I missed that blessing. And I will, I know I will be asked that in heaven from the Lord. Like, I gave you a chance. To, and she, he may even show me what happened with her life with someone else that shared the Lord with her. It's horrible to know you've disobeyed the Lord when he says to do something. Because the blessing you're missing is your own. Why would he say share if you, that's not something from the devil. Devil's not asking you to share God with this person. God was asking me, and I was too into myself, too into my sorrow, too into my pain to listen and obey him. I, that goes with me for life. I've shared it very, very much. I will never do that again. I hope you guys won't either. Um, anyway, 24 hours a day in pain, kids running around, can't do anything, can't do this, can't do that. And then I start coming out. I can't. Can you sit at the table and eat? My husband, can you sit with us at the table? I couldn't even get a lollipop in my mouth because it was so tight that I couldn't open my mouth to even, you know, no drinking out of a straw, no, you know, you just, you just depressing. <laughs> I'm telling you, it was horrible. And Richard finally got a hold of me and said, what can you do? Can I put you in a chair at the soccer field and you watch your son play soccer? This I don't want to. I don't feel like it. I'm in pain. Can I do it? Yeah, if you get me in that chair. Then do it and do it well, he said. What can you do? Do it and do it well. I don't know what your trial is. I don't know what your pain is. I don't know what your sickness is. Whatever you can do, do it and do it well. Don't keep playing through the mind what you can't do anymore. And this is where praise, this is, where's the worship in all this? This is where that comes in. Worship and praise took on a whole new meaning. I always love to sing. I always love to worship, but not like I do today and not like I learned through this illness. Um, it's very easy to praise and worship him when everything is going well, right? But when everything's not going well, do we just sit there and just like, oh, I don't feel like doing this? That's when you need to offer the sacrifice of worship to him. That's when there is power beyond any description I can tell you guys is when you're going through things, if you don't sing, blast the worship music because God is glorified, especially when you're offering him a sacrifice of worship. You don't feel like it, and yet you are doing it. Why? Because he is worthy no matter what. What he's done for you on the cross, he is worthy. Isaiah 53, 4 says, we come to one who understands, a high priest who hath borne our griefs, carried our sorrows. And my pain was bad, and so I had to dig deep in my relationship with the Lord. You have to dig deep sometimes. But the first thing to getting through those hard times was to, to praise and lift a sacrifice of worship, simply because he's worthy of it. I couldn't do what I wanted to anymore. I couldn't even play the piano I couldn't sing high. I was a soprano and I'm a tenor. <laughs> All the stuff I can't do. But God accepted my worship once I set my heart on doing it. Because I love him for who he is, period. No other reason. Not for what he's going to do for me. Not if he's going to heal me or not. Not because I live in a nice house or I have four kids. No, none of that. I love Jesus Christ. I love God simply for who he is. Who is he? He's God Almighty. He's healer. This is all in scripture. We can find the instances. He's the prince of peace. He's the beginning and the end. He's the alpha and he's the omega. He's the bright morning star. It says he's the light of the world. He's the door of the sheep. He's the good shepherd. He's the resurrection, the truth, and the life. He's so much. There's so much to praise and worship him if he never does another thing on the earth for you. Colossians 3, 2 says, it says to set your affections on things where? A 
above. We must, must, and I've learned this through a lot, we must view and evaluate every single thing in our life from an eternal perspective and not an earthly perspective. First Chronicles 29.15 says, We are sojourners passing through. Our days are like a shadow. Our vapor, our, it's like a vapor. This is not our home. So that's just what I did. I began to thank the Lord for what I did have. I, I would look at a blind man with the, with the white stick. I'd see him and I'd say, well, gee, at least I could see the tree and the sun and I could see my kids growing up. God, I thank you for that. You start thanking him and praising him for things that you do have, not for what you don't have. And it was definitely, uh, definitely God met me in those times of worship. Um, there's a good story about King David, and uh, it's found, I'm not going to read it, but it, you guys can read it later, 2 Samuel 24. Um, if you know anything about David, which we do, he is a worshiper, he loves worship. And here he is in that uh, passage of scripture. He has a friend by the name of Aranua, and he wa Aranua wants to help him out with his sacrifice to the Lord. And he says, hey, Aranua says to David, here's your busy man. Let me, let me get the offering ready for you. Let me, you don't have to worry about it. it. It won't cost you anything. I'll prepare it. We'll get it all ready. We don't have to tell anybody I got it ready for you. You can say, you did it, David. Let me help you. And this is a defining moment of change for me in worship, and I hope it is for you guys. David says something. He says, I will not bring before my king that which cost me nothing. When I think it comes to what is worship, this story is a perfect example. It's when we encounter the greatness of God, I think in that very moment, what is my response? When you encounter who God is, what is your response? You can choose either to bring truthful worship like David, or you can, or like in the Old Testament, they brought a grain offering. That was uh, acceptable. You can bring a life offering. You can bring life of serving him. But the point is you need to bring something to the Lord which costs you something. Don't make it convenient and fitting God in Sunday morning. Oh, yeah, I'll give him a little worship and wait for the word. That's not costing you anything. I will bring before my, I will not bring before my Lord that which costs me. Don't cheapen the grace of God by bringing your leftovers. That's what it is. It's just your leftovers. Bring in the first fruits. Bring in the best of your life in worship. It's a hard issue, I know. Um, all right, I'm going to skip there because all that this I went through, and I went through, again, um, some testing. One of the tests I went through, we women, when we're pregnant, uh, our body automatically puts off a hormone. It's called relaxin when the baby's getting ready to be born. Relaxin is the thing that softens the tissue of the birth canal to let the baby come out. So, yeah, it's in our bodies already. So they figured all this out and they manufactured and now I have this like, a, it's like an insulin type needle with this relaxin that I have to poke every three days in my stomach as it slowly drips. It has to be refrigerated and I had this for a year. I couldn't poke my, my husband had to do a one, two, three, okay. You know, I, know, I hate needles. <laughs> but anyways, nothing worked the first six months. The second six months, they dropped the uh, whatever, they put less of it going on. And I started seeing some softening in the, in the skin tissue, but it's not FDA approved, the study's over, you're done. 
a bunch of other people are on it. We have to compile all that. It has to get you know years before it's FDA approved, right? So um, I had nothing from that point on, and my skin from that point on just began. It wasn't overnight, like it like it came. It came in stages of hardening. It left in stages of softening. And uh, my dad, who was an atheist, um, said, you know, I, I became a Christian when I was 16. I wasn't raised a Christian. My parents divorced. So my real dad, total atheist, said, you know, this crutch stuff that you're this Christianity, believe in your heart. And like your heart's something that pumps blood. You know, he was just like always like, no, he was not going for the Christianity. But he said, if I could see the waters part, like in the Bible, because I read the Bible, and if I could see the waters part, go on cross to dry land, eh, I might believe. And I said, Dad, it said you won't, you know, you, you won't believe unless you, you have to have faith. Well, anyway, long story short, I'm deteriorating. Now I'm made well. He's, he's shocked that I'm going through this because I love the Lord. He, he doesn't. And he becomes a Christian through it. Because I said, remember, Dad, you said if you saw a miracle before your eyes, like the water parting, you would believe. And tears down his face, and he received the Lord. Oh, and he's in heaven now. He, he died like about eight years ago. But he's, yeah. So you know what? If that's why I had to go through this, I'd go through it again for that, for, to see my dad saved. Did I know that going through it? No. Do you know why you're going through what you're going through? No. But if you will stay faithful, if you will give it to God and just let him work through it, you don't know what he's working on the other side. And I'm going to share one more story in closing. So, you know, I don't get a little cold or a little flu bug or something. I wish I would get something like that. I get the big things, you know. Scleroderma is very rare. Well, two years ago in September, I uh, was listening to the radio. And now, by the way, you know now that worship is my passion. You need good ears when you're worshiping. You got to have good ears You got <laughs> because you got to be able to stay on pitch. I was listening to the radio, and it started going fuzzy on me, and I thought I needed my, you know how the earwax builds up, and you got to go in the doctor, and they spin that thing. So I thought, oh, yeah, I must have that. I've never had it before, but I'll go in and check. They checked it. She said, I have the cleanest ear she's ever laid eyes on because I Q-tip and do all that. <laughs> she said, it isn't wax. We're going to have to send you to a nose, ears, and whatever specialist. I go there, I find out, you know, I'll give you an MRI. You, you know, we'll give you steroids. You probably just have a little infection there. But, you know, if you want, we'll give you an MRI, and that'll tell everything. I mean, you could have this one really weird thing, but it's like you don't have that. This is what the guy, I said, I want the MRI. Got the MRI, guess what I have? The one little freaky weird thing. <laughs> it's called the acoustic neuroma brain tumor. Yeah, it it's, it's affects all your hearing, of course, the attack. Here we go. And um, so I have a big scar like that big right in the back of my neck here um, because I, I waited a year uh, when I found out the news because sometimes it doesn't grow. You could have had it for 10 years and it doesn't grow. Uh, but in my case, it grew double in a year. So I went to a San Diego uh surgeon because he was the best of the best in this surgery it took eight hours there was two specialists in ears nose and throat because they got to drill a hole the size of a quarter through one area to get to the back of your brain to get the tumor out now if they hit this one little tissue this one little tissue is like a wet toilet paper and if they hit that while removing the tumor your face is paralyzed all this left side and you guys look it up on youtube it's horrible i'm like i can't 
be me. So I went to the best guy to get this done. Um, and I had that done. But when I came out of it, um, when I went in, it was right, COVID was still playing those weird little rules uh, where you can't have anybody visit, you can't have anybody in there. This is major surgery, a brain tumor, right? They said Richard could go in with me. He could stay the night. I was all excited. Two days before the surgery, they changed the rules again. And he couldn't go in. Now I'm in San Diego. I live in Glendora. I don't know anybody. My family's flown out. They're staying in hotels, waiting to hear if I'm going to live or die. You know, I didn't have an airport story then. <laughs> and so I go into the hospital all by myself. And trust me, guys, like I'm smiling today. But again, I was not happy with the Lord. And it's okay. The Lord knows you. You can be honest with your feelings. I'm like, really? I can't be with the hospital with my husband? Like, why? I'm going through this. I'm not sure why. It's attacking worship and everything I love. I'm trying to serve you, God. Why can't I have my husband? You know, you just, I didn't get it. And I go in, have the surgery. I come out. I'm in the anesthesia part of it all. This was cool, you guys. When I came out of the anesthesia, I started quoting scriptures. I don't, you don't know that, but the nurse came in. She whispered, you're being too loud. I, she said, I mean, later they told me I was like, I remember because you're in your mind, but out of your mind. I was saying all the scriptures like, you know, uh, great is the Lord, great is your faithfulness, you know, and you're, you never leave me nor forsake me. I was just like blubbering coming out of this anesthesia, whatever I was blubbering, but there was, she said, you're being too loud. A lot of people were next to me coming out of their own anesthesia. So praise God that that's what's in my heart. You know, I got excited that that when I'm out of it, that's what's really down in my heart. Praise the Lord for that. But when I got to my room and Richard wasn't there and I was throwing up and all the stuff that goes on from major surgery, I had a song that I asked the ladies at the church, the women's ministry, before I went in. I said, you guys, this is my surgery song. And when you know I'm in surgery, put this song on. I gave the hours that my surgery was. Pray for me and listen to this song, and I'll, I'll know where you guys are with me, my, my sisters. And uh, so we're going to play that song as we end here. But one of the things that Jesus whispered in my ear when I was having the time throwing up all that stuff, I said, God, I can't do this. I remember, I can't, I just can't do this. I can't, I just can't. I need help. And he, I, why can't my husband, where's my daughters? And he whispered that still small voice. And I hope this ministers to someone today because it did me. God said, am I not enough? Am I not enough for you, Tony? Yeah, he's enough. I hope he's enough for you guys. Allow him just to do what he wants with you. He's got a purpose in it. And this song is called Sufficient for Today. It's... um. I wanted them to play it with the video because the girl that sings it is much like you, cutie pie over there, <laughs> just has a heart for worship, and it just makes the song alive. So thank you for letting me share with you ladies.
Find my 